Welcome into the Top of the Key. My name is Kenneth Minogue. On this episode, we're going to be covering Game 4 of the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals of the NBA Playoffs. Let's go. Started off with the Bucks versus the Raptors game four last night. Heading into the night, the Bucks coming off the game three loss um, against the Raptors. A fantastic game we got last night as well. Um, that pre game three loss, uh, double overtime that, that went down to uh, Toronto winning 118 to 112. Uh, there's a lot of questions as to whether or not the, the um, Raptors player specifically. Um, Marcus Saul, Kyle Lowry, some of these older players who play um, specifically for Marcus Saul, whether or not he was going to be able to put in the same effort for this game four, um, coming off a dip, double overtime game. Um, I was really excited to see how this how how this game was going to go and whether or not Milwaukee was going to bounce back and take over a three one lead. Whether or not players such as Eric Bledsoe, um, Chris Middleton, players that had played t- really horrendously uh, in game in game three, especially in the um, overtime period was going to take over the game and really put and really um, assert themselves back into it, uh, especially also for Giannis, whether or not he was going to come back. It was was going to come back after fouling out in over in the second overtime and assert his dominance into game four or whether or not the home crowd for Toronto was going to be a, a big deal and whether or not it was going to be the what was the driving force to reinvigorate this Toronto team to really get them back into the game uh, and to in, into the series and tie it up and make it a best of three, which would really change my opinion which would really make it change things up and really make it excited for game five. Um, starting off in the first quarter, the Milwaukee Bucks were coming out and firing, getting their shots on, especially Chris Middleton was getting, was really getting it going, seemed to be shooting the lights out. Giannis as well, doing his work inside the paint, getting it, getting a shot. But you notice, continue to notice that something that had carried over from the earlier game, from the earlier game. Um, it seems that Kawhi Leonard and the, and the Toronto Raptors in general have finally figured it out in terms of how to hold, how to hold defensively off against Giannis and really it's about dropping it's really about dropping back and leaking off the guards aside from Chris Middleton don't leaving letting keep guarding Chris Middleton but you can leak off of Eric Bledsoe who's not going to make his shots who continued to miss his shots today in this game and they also got a little bit lucky um Toronto that Malcolm Brogdon was not able to get it going he as well was missing some shots in, in this game not able to get it to the pace of the game as he was in previous outings um in the third quarter, in the sec- from the second quarter though onwards, Toronto really ramped it up on their offensive end, whereas Milwaukee was not able to keep it up on their side of the court. Um, Milwaukee shot 46% from the field in this game, 11 of 35 from three-point line. Uh, so you expect these numbers to be good enough to get you to where you need to be um, for Milwaukee, getting up to that 115-point mark benchmark that we talked about earlier, or at least I talked about earlier in terms of um, whether or not can Toronto hold off this Milwaukee offense? What I talked about all see all playoffs long is I don't think anyone can really stop this team. And in reality, what we saw last night was me, everyone watching me eat a bunch of crow because this Toronto team 
really fucked him up. Really fucked up the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of how in terms of how well they were able to stay in front of them, rotate, move to the, or find the man, and keep the per- people that they want open open. They let out Eric Bledsoe get open for shots in his 20 minutes after being be- in this game. Um, Budenholzer was very was very willing to bench him throughout in in, in large stretches of this game. Only five points, two of seven, zero of two from downtown, one of two from the free throw line as well. Um, as we mentioned before, Malcolm Brogdon was really missing, was really struggling in this game. Two of eleven from the field, zero of three from downtown. Very unusual for him, considering how he had been throughout this ser- throughout this playoffs. Really, one of the most um, obviously he hasn't played that many games, but one of the things that I had um, been so impressed by through, um, up until this game was how well he had played coming just com- immediately coming off those injuries. Um, off the a major injury that had kept him out for most of the second most of the way through to the second round uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers I was really been impressed by him and he really sort of threw up a dud whether or not it's the being on the road whether or not it's being nine from your home crowd or, or just a one-off game that's bad um, which does happen those these things do happen maybe Milwaukee maybe he does return back into his form in the next few games but they're, they're Milwaukee really showed in this game that they really need Brogdon to be hitting those shots and George Hill to be taking and George Hill to be taking and making some shots as well um, really impressive by Toronto to not allow any um, open as many open shots as they had been getting in previous games and also staying in front of Giannis and making it difficult in general for him even at the hoop not in the 17 from the field you got to be i that's it looks like a positive but so often Giannis would be getting to the hoop and taking and taking these free uh, these finger rolls that for most other teams they would not, they would not be anywhere close and be easy no contest in this game however it really felt like the, the toronto players specifically uh Kawhi Leonard and pascal siakam fantastic job they were able to stay in front they were stable, able to stay with Giannis and get to the point where they can they can at least um get right to him at the when he's laying when he's trying to lay it up Serge Ibaka as well doing a fantastic job defensively on his side when he was playing and really for Toronto the big factor for them was the fact that they really found they flipped the script they flipped the script on the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of that Ka- uh, Ka- for so much of the talk had been how Kawhi was not getting any support well in this game he only took 13 shots he s- made six of them was one of three from downtown 19 points and he, uh, he four steals got two blocks with a plus minus of 16 but the real big factor for this t- for this Toronto team was the bench really came back to play Sergi Baca 17 points 7 of 12 from the field missed all three of his three-point attempts but crashed the boards well four offensive rebounds 13 in total two assists as well to go for in his tw- in his 24 minutes plus minus of 24 fantastic job norman powell fantastic work and doing doing his best to really assert himself above um danny green who really has had a quiet series really shocking to me how little nick nurse has really been had uh, in terms of trust in him usually benching him during the end of games um in this series to close it out it's been really surprising but norman powell fantastic job this game to really um be confident in himself was well, 6 of 18 from the field and so really an inefficient shooting wise but 4 of 13 from downtown he took his shots he was more than willing to take his shots uh did score 18 points in his 32 minutes three assists as well to go with um five rebounds did commit three turnovers but this plus minus shows once again plus 29 highest in the game i mean whew, i mean obviously then he's an all-star right uh that's the stat 
that show, apparently. Fred Van Vliet coming off a terrible performance in Game 3, constantly missing shots, especially from downtown. We really, I really was happy to see him... Um, we flip the script on the on that narrative that he's a bad, that he's a terrible player that's really hurting the Toronto Raptors. A lot of I mean, and 13 points, five of six in the field, three of three from downtown, plus minus 25 in his 25 minutes. This game turned into a blowout near in the near around the end of the fourth quarter as they were able to stretch it out to 25 at its largest. A fantastic job by the Toronto Raptors to close this to bring this series back to 2-2, 120 to 102. Um, the turnaround began in the second quarter. That's when they were they were able to get uh, stay, uh grab the really um, able to push it out to around an eight point lead. Uh, they scored 33 points in the second quarter compared to the Bucks 24. Um, Bucks did not score. Bucks were only scored 31 points in the first quarter, um, but did not score over 27 for the rest of the quarters. Whereas the Toronto Raptors scored 32, 33, 29 in quarters one through three. Uh, for for Milwaukee, their the script that they had been running with throughout the whole playoffs is that they can find scoring outs. They they have shooters. They have players that can find shots for them. And while it wasn't necessarily that um, Giannis' shooters were missing a lot of shots, they didn't really go super cold. But specifically, the players that did go cold made it but this was but not make but specifically a couple of players missing those shots is what turned the game around you have eric bledsoe going over to not willing to drive to the hoop which is what's which is something that they need from him because you you as aside from Giannis, they don't really have other players that are real that are very willing and very able to crash to the hoop and try and make plays for others when they pass it out um brogdon can kind of do that as well george hill you notice these are all the point guards of the team that's sort of their role on this team is to be is to be that secondary is for one of them to be that secondary option two or third or tertiary option even as a driver and and as a driving kick guy alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo and because Giannis was not it was constantly finding that um he was not able to get the shots off for him and not able to himself make the best of passes and Toronto was really doing a great job closing out, making it difficult for the Milwaukee shooters. As you mentioned again, as we mentioned earlier, 11 to 35 three point line. Um, you go down the line, not many of the guys really getting a consistent looks and consistently making their shots. Um, Michael Meritage, two of eight from downtown, four of 10 from the field, 11 points in general. Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of three from downtown. Brooke Lopez, a player that has been constantly throughout this playoffs, throughout this playoffs, done a fantastic job of just being with, putting up numbers in a similar sense to how Norman Powell does, just getting a lot of shots up. Two of three only from downtown. Did not find as many shots as he, as he would have liked to. Um, did deal with foul trouble. Had ended the game with five fouls. I really was kind of confused as to why we saw so many Ersan Ilyasova minutes nearing the end of, in this third in the third quarter in the beginning of the fourth quarter when they really needed um, another big man to be in the middle to protect the paint. I understood that they he had to be dealing with foul trouble and that my Budenholzer is constantly showed throughout this playoffs that he in a similar sense to Steve Kerr is more than willing to rely on his bench more than willing to just run with his bench unit and run with his deep players and and put the trust into them and I think that there, there is a certain balance that has to go with that I was not certainly I didn't feel like I agreed necessarily with the Brook Lopez decision to bench him at the beginning of the fourth the beginning of the fourth when they really needed him to come in provide some stability inside but again if he fouls out then it's it's 
complete then it, it's all for use useless so it's sort of a uh, hindsight's 2020 in that sense uh chris middleton did a fantastic job bouncing back from his game to from his game three shenanigans 30 points in this game 11 of 15 from the field four of seven from downtown seven assists six rebounds uh, he did a really good job and yet still was a minus 17 in this game so uh, whether i mean it's a very difficult thing to look at this. It's a very difficult thing to look at this Milwaukee um, game and see where the issues are, aside from just the lack of guard play, lack of lack of guard play in terms of driving and kicking. Only uh, did create did, did create thirty uh, assists and twelve turn and only committed twelve turnovers. So you look at it. How is it that this team then messed up so badly? How is it this team ended up losing by eighteen? And a lot of the thing is, and a lot of it comes. From the free throw line while the bucks um shot an only 17 of 26 on the free throw line 65 percent notably missing a six notably um Giannis Antetokounmpo going six of ten from the free throw line toronto on their side 24 of 27 from the free throw line 10 of 10 specifically from kyle lowry who himself had a fantastic job leading the way for the toronto raptors 25 six, 25 points on 11 attempts six of 11 from the field three of seven from downtown to go with six uh, to go with six assists system five rebounds I was most certainly impressed by the by, by the by the free throw shooting um, by the Toronto Raptors compared to how poorly the uh, Milwaukee Bucks were shooting from the free throw line, which is it's honestly just a couple of it make makes more and they get similar numbers to how Toronto is. You get a couple of those three point shots to go in and you get similar numbers to how Toronto is. You just notice how how fine the margin of error is um, for Milwaukee in when they play in Toronto when Toronto is able to get these scoring performances from Serge Ibaka, from Norman Powell, from Fred Van Vliet. When you get that and you get those performances and you also have Marc Gasol going 17.6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 6 from downtown, 7 assists as well, providing his work. Um, when you get the supporting when you when Toronto shows that they actually do have a supporting caster Kawhi Leonard, it because the, the margin for error from Milwaukee become becomes very thin. Um, they need to get that then performances from Eric Bledsoe to really find his find himself offensively get himself attacking again and getting himself to be scoring those attacking shots because when you drive and when you're driving and you're not making those shots um it starts to look bad but if you're driving and making them it's it's again it's again it's a it's a make or miss league and a lot of it's so much of that um so many of these shots that they're making with how good the defense is um becomes a bit of a wish wash thing where if they make this shot you're going to be praised and if you miss the shot you're going to be lambasted you're going to be shit on being shit and the reality is just that the opposing team is playing is really stepping up and playing it and making it hard for you and the more of the more of the credit should go to the opposition defense versus um, lambasting the losing team's star, um, secondary stars for not playing up to scratch um, in your opinion, in your eye. Um, it's it was really to me uh, a good a really made me happy to see how well Toronto played defensively, forcing me to eat this crow in the morning. Um, when I so many times I've said throughout this playoff series, I do not think that any team can beat um, Milwaukee in terms of holding them down to a, below 110 points, below 100 points. Um, Toronto really flipped the script in that narrative. Did did end up actually though doing what I had said though earlier that they need they, in order to beat this Bucks team, you need to just outscore them. You really just need to get going offensively try and mitigate to what what try and mitigate the Milwaukee Bucks from 
getting too crazy on offensive side, which is what happened. You allowed Chris Middleton. To, I mean, Chris Middleton got his shots, um, got his scoring efficient, got his scoring in a hyper efficient way. Giannis Antetokounmpo came back and had a good, had a had a decent game. Not a great game. Was trapped. Was troubled a little bit. Was a minus 19 in his 34 minutes. Uh, obviously, did not play the crunch the, in the last 10 minutes of the game because in the last few minutes of the game, um, due to just it, it turning into a complete blow, an utter blowout. Um, it was really, an, it was really not the worst game like how game um one was when milwaukee was really shooting poorly really doing bad job and not able to get their shots going in and yet they still found a way to win in this game only a couple players really messed up in terms of malcolm brogdon not able to get his shot going despite his attempts eric bledsoe really just continuously continuing to just find uh, to just sink to the bottom of the hit of the sea level in terms of his ability in terms of his conf in terms of his um play and confidence i gotta imagine his confidence level also and george hill not able to put get open get as many shots off um in his 26 minutes only got two shots off when you are when you are filling in the role for eric bledsoe on this team i gotta imagine you gotta be more aggressive george hill you gotta really try and find a way to step up or the other or his teammates have got to find a way to make him more involved because when this when george hill can step because george hill has shown in the past that he can step into that role from eric bledsoe for Eric Budson, be that other career, and Paracon and um, Malcolm Brockton has showed that as well. Um, you could say that it's a negative for this Milwaukee Bucks team that they have to rely on George Hill for that. That George Hill is not that type of player that you should rely on him for that idea. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you that it, it is a bit of a scary thought that George Hill is the back is really the next best option behind Eric Bledsoe considering the past that George Hill has shown um, specifically the most recent memory of how poorly he had played with the Cleveland Cavaliers when they made their championship run last year or their playoff run last year, finals run last year um, you could say that, that that is a negative I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you what I would disagree with the idea is that this was a really big failure from the Milwaukee Bucks I really do think this was just a hats off performance by Toronto really showing that hey we do deserve to have um, the, the finals aspirations for us we really it was something that we had all thought throughout the regular season and really only lost that thought um, after that Philadelphia series because of how poorly players like Kyle Lowry, Marcus Saul, Pascal Siakam had played in that series, how how little scoring they had received from the bench unit and how much pressure they had put on Kawhi. If you had told me prior to this game that Kawhi, that the that the player leading the team for the Toronto Raptors in field goal attempts would not be Kawhi Leonard, would not be Kyle Lowry, but instead would be Norman fucking Powell, Norman fucking Powell, and he'd go six of eighteen from the field. I would expect this game to be a blowout for the Milwaukee Bucks. On the other side, they did. It's the reverse. The Milwaukee Bucks lost this game despite the, the despite the Raptors' number one shooting option shooting in, in terms of field goal attempts, going six of eighteen from the field. It's really absurd. You think about it like that, but really a fantastic job by the other players on the Toronto Raptors to get their shots efficiently and outside of Norma Powell, everyone else really going above and beyond their um their shooting their their roles in the game. Really, the only player that did not really get up to par was Pascal Siakam. Five, did commit five fouls and was hampered by that aspect. Um, but really, they um going three of six on the field, oh two from downtown, six assists, four rebounds, uh, only committed two turnovers. In his 23 minutes, um, whether or not he was 
bad in this game is a little bit sort of here and say you could say that yes he was not really aggressive on the offensive side however on the opposite on the opposite end you could say he did a fantastic job in leaking off his in terms of leaking off his man um Meritich or Irisan Ilyasova at the right times and then helping out Kawhi Leonard when he's play, when against Giannis and crashing in and being the secondary guy um to protect the paint to protect the rim and tr trouble him or when Siakam was actually switched on to Giannis keep doing a great job of keeping him in front of him playing good perimeter defense and staying and again, contesting him at the rim. Fantastic job, by, in my opinion, on the defensive end for Pascal Siakam and from the whole Raptors team in general, um, making it really exciting how we're going to, what's going to happen for game five. Um, I think that there are a lot of questions that I do have for the Bucks as to whether or not they're going to be rattled by this two games in Toronto, whether or not they're going to be able to come home, um, find be able to find the offense from um, any sort of offense from Eric Bledsoe would be great. Um, whether or not Brogdon uh, players like Brogdon, George Hill, even Irsan Ilyasova, at least from the at least from the perimeter side of the game, um, can get going and can really sort of uh, get back and get themselves back into the flow and get back themselves into the efficient side and really provide that help for Giannis because it's really starting to look like I don't think we'll see. Uh, it's it's really sort of questioning whether or not we'll see that really transcendent performance again uh, performance again from Antetokounmpo um, with considering the defense that the Toronto Raptors are playing or on the opposite side will Toronto not be able to find that defensive intensity that defensive awareness on the road something that they did not have in game two that's something that they did not necessarily have throughout the game of game one when they really were relying on the idea of game one being terrible shooting nights from the Milwaukee Bucks will Toronto be able to get that same the same performance from Norman Powell from Fred Van Vee from Serge Ibaka um, will they be able to get that is, is going to be amazing your question in game five on the road is something that we don't usually see from bench players um and from young role players um on the road is being able to step into that um, position when they need it and you guys question whether or not Kawhi Leonard a player that's been uh, hampered with a hamstring it was, seems to be a hamstring injury sort of was limp was limping throughout this game um whether or not he's gonna be able to power through that and push for and t try and take over for game five or will that injury hamper him and then have to rely on his bench unit and Kyle Lowry and Marcus Saul and Pascal Siakam he they do have players that in the past have shown from time to time that they can take over that role and can provide that support however they've also shown in the series itself that they can they can fail times they can really they can really drop the ball at times so in some ways you really got to look at these two teams and think yeah it's going to go seven the both these teams are just going to win these win their home games and come down to game seven it's going to be a very good it's going to be a very good series very competitive series and in game seven you never know what can happen it's going to be all down to that all right, now moving on to the Golden State Warriors closing out the Portland Trailblazers in overtime game four, um, 119 to 117. A heartbreaking loss for Portland in a third game in a row where they had a double-digit lead, um, specifically a 17-point lead um, at one point in the game. And when you look at the box score for this team, for this for this game, you really got to feel bad for for Portland, considering how well they played um, from top to bottom. CJ McCollum was um, getting it going early on. Damian Lillard got it going early on. And but of all the players that really got it going was Myers Leonard, 25 points in that first half. A fantastic performance from Myers Leonard, who got who continues to get the starts um, in this in, in this uh, in this uh, game. 
for um 30 points for miles leonard at the end by the end of the game six 12 of 16 from the field cj mccollum ended with 26 points 10 of 22 from the field damian lillard ended with 28 points 11 of 24 from the field um a fantastic performance by them i literally did not get the scoring off the bench necessarily as they had, had in previous games uh rodney hood only was seven points three of 11 from the field zach collins probably the best um 10 of points four of seven from the field as we uh, didn't mention we forgot to mention rodney hood one of six from downtown zach collins even made a three one of three from downtown uh enos Cantor only with six points and evan turner only with four two of eight from the field really had a poor game seth curry was one point from the free throw line zero of one from the field did not really get any shots off couldn't find his opening so you really but well, you look at this team and you wonder then how did they lose? How did they get? How did they let this lead get back? Especially when you consider that the comeback did not happen in the thir- in the third quarter as it usually does. In fact, throughout the third quarter, we noticed that the that the Blazers actually able to push it out to their biggest lead at, the, at that point. That was when they pushed it out to a seventeen point lead because they only were able to um, snap the lead back into the, snap the game back into their favor midway through that uh, second quarter. Um, did not uh, heading into halftime with a lead that did not, was not necessarily as much as they had in game three or in game two. They only had about a four point lead heading into the half, sixty nine to sixty five. Um, you really were. Thinking Thinking, okay, Warriors are gonna just make it, push, break it out in the third quarter. And it's gonna be a blowout. It's gonna be a game. Well, third quarter it just turned. It did not. That did not happen for the Warriors. The Portland Trailblazers did a fantastic job of holding, holding them defensively, only to 20 points, 26 points scored by the Blazers in that quarter. But then the, but then nearing the end of that third, end of that third quarter, the Blazers were able to bring it back. Or the Warriors were able to bring it back down to about eight points. Um, with, with it was in about the last two minutes when. It it was 17 at one point. They were able to bring it back to eight. And slowly in that fourth quarter, and slowly but surely, the Warriors just found a way to nick and tuck, to nip and tuck into that lead, to not niddle it down, find a way. And uh, really a fantastic job. Really a fantastic job by the Golden State Warriors to just be absolutely ruthless. They played Steph Curry 47 minutes, including, in the, I know he played an overtime period, played the whole thing, but fantastic job. I mean, the, this team just has no letdown, no... Um, no belief, no no belief in terms of this idea of uh, oh it's fine we'll wait till next game we'll close it out next game which is something that the Warriors have had they've dealt with in previous years and in, in previous games in this series in this um, previous games in this playoff run itself if you think that about that in the um, in the first round against the Clippers um, it's it's sort of really confu- it's really interesting to see how the Warriors have just completely flipped on the switch in terms of let's be absolutely ruthless, let's go complete Michael Jordan mode and just dominate games and just refuse to give up. Um, Stephen Curry, 37 points, 11 of 25 from the field, 7 of 16 from downtown. Klay Thompson had a bit of an off night uh, in Game Four, uh, 17 points only, 7 of 21 from the field, but he made it work on the defensive end, really made them um, struggle to port the and really made them work for the Portland players, uh, specifically CJ McCollum and um, Damian Lillard. Uh, Draymond Green, another fantastic performance from him. 18.713 from the field, um, 14 rebounds, 11 assists. Did commit six turnovers, but three steals and two blocks. A triple-double for him. To go with Steph Curry's triple-double for his work, 13 13 rebounds, 11 assists. Um, One thing you noticed 
really from the Warriors' side, the amount of offensive rebounds that they grabbed, leading the way, Kevin Looney, six of his eight, six of his 14 rebounds were on the offensive side. Steph Curry even getting into the action with four offensive rebounds, uh, showcasing that he can do more than just shoot threes um, as well. Uh, 15 rebounds in total for the team, 56 rebounds um, on the, in, to, in, in combining both offensive defenses, whereas the Portland Trailblazers, um, outside of Evan Turner and Myers Leonard, not a single other player had more than five rebounds. Um, seven, Myers Leonard did have 12, and Evan Turner had seven for himself. No one else had more than five. A really poor performance in that aspect. The inability for the Portland Trailblazers to really to secure the rebounds when they were able to get missed shots from the Warriors. Um, was major it was the major problem for them um really was disappointing to see there's a lot also an inability for the blazers to get to the free throw line consistently only made only got 10 attempts in a game that went into overtime which is just pitiful just really pitiful um job by them to not be able to get to the free throw line um there wasn't necessarily like the referees were against the warrior against the blazers in this game it really didn't feel like that it just was a fantastic work by the warriors to not really get into as much foul trouble as they would in previous games Steph Curry, zero fouls, something that he's always dealt with throughout his career is these terrible fouls that he will commit throughout the game that have uh, that would help the uh, help the opposing team get into uh, into the bonus and get to and get themselves to the free throw line whereas the warriors usually don't lead the team lead the game in free throws whereas in this they were able to at least get 19 uh, specifically 8 of 9 from Steph Curry in the in the free throw line getting half of them for his team a fantastic job by the warriors to really um hold themselves defensively and stay true and not foul um, which, uh, considering in today's NBA, is much easier said than done. Not fouling um, when when small guards are crashing into the paint. Um, a fantastic job by the Warriors in that aspect, and really just got to be at hats off to them for not giving up, not giving, and for not for refusing to have any let up in this game. It's it was it was so easy. It would have been so easy for them to just think, ah, oh, we can go home game five, close it out. We can let Myers Leonard have his career night, have his shining moment we can let cj and damian lillard get their first playoff win against this um golden state team in like what three years we can we can give it up to them we can let them have their moment here in the conference finals no 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 and that's what draymond green kept it seemed to be kept saying he would not let this he would not let the warriors lose this game um neither would and really forces forces warriors team to push themselves back up um steph curry really did a fantastic job as uh, making his shots and getting his shots off but really got to see the heart and drive of this team is in draymond just how much how aware he is um defensively and how many decisions he's making throughout the in such a short span of time on the offensive and defensive side uh, to the point that you almost forget, you almost forget that this game, even in this game, this Golden State Warriors team was missing three All-Stars. Three former All-Stars they missed in this game, and uh, Andre Iguodala did not play after his injury in game f in game three, and obviously missing DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant. Um, where they go from here is just rest. They're just rest. Let your let, get, get 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 Iggy back. Uh, if if Durant comes back, that's great. If Durant doesn't come back, I, I it seems to not matter. Um, and 
one of the more interesting narratives for this for the rest of this playoff for the for the finals ahead will be whether or not the Golden State Warriors even need him, whether or not they in order to win the play in the win the finals, and that's gonna be and that's gonna I do think that that will have an effect on um Kevin Durant's decision making um in terms of his free agent destination this summer. It's gonna be a big thing. Whether I think I do think that it's gonna be an interesting aspect of this uh is of his decision making whether or not this Warriors team needs him and whether or not they sh- and how they showcase that. And I'm really excited for that. But in order to get there, we need to wait for this Toronto Raptors and Milwaukee Bucks series to end to figure out who it is that this Warriors team is going to be facing on May 30th. That game five is going to be on tomorrow night on on May the 23rd. It's going to be a fantastic game. I'm really hoping for a good game, a close game, no more blowouts for the rest of that series. We'll be covering that. We'll be covering that the the following morning. Um, Thank you for tuning into the top of the key. My name is Kaz Minogue, and until next time, deuces. Let's go.